You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 16 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Toolstation Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? Well, I'm cold. <laughs> well, yeah. Because it's, it's that time of the year. It is. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get out on Saturday and watch any Western League football, although I am very pleased to see that the um, the weather gods didn't decimate our fixture no. list as they have been doing. Um, I don't know whether frozen pitches are going to be our next mm. problem, but um, let's hope, fingers crossed, that they're not. But no, I had a very pleasant afternoon at Stourhead. Uh, to look at the uh, the Christmas lights with my family, which was a very pleasant thing to do. I would recommend it strongly uh, to all of our listeners. But, of course, um, it's got absolutely nothing to do with Toolstation Western League football, which is very much what we're going to be talking about on t- today's show. Of course, we do have two interviews. The first is with Jamie Manley, the manager of Bridport. We haven't heard from Jamie for a while, it would be fair to say. We certainly haven't heard from Bridport either. They had a good win at the weekend, so it'd be interesting to catch up with with a side that's um, certainly had its um, fair share of troubles this season. And also, we'll be speaking to a new contributor to the Westernly podcast. It is Clayton Woodman, the manager of Oldland Abertonians. Um, the, the, the beginning of uh, this week's podcast will, will very much be focused on the FA Vars uh, third round. But before we do that, I think an honourable mention um, to um, to Warminster Town. I'm sure they'll be coming up a little bit later as well, given their um, heroics on um, the 1st of December. But um, they pulled off another um, very impressive win, this time on penalties away at Longwell Green Sports in the Les Phillips Cup. So Warminster Town, certainly cup specialists from the first division. Hats yeah, can I just mention something about that? You certainly can, sir. I mean, yeah, and an incredible night in particular for Nathan Ball, uh, the goalkeeper for Warminster on, on Tuesday. Not only scoring the, the first goal with a big hoof upfield, so obviously a, a quite momentous moment for him, and obviously not not a shot on target, not a shot, so to speak, but it, it ended up in the net, so he, he got the ball rolling. Uh, and then, yeah, as you mentioned in the shootout, um, he saved three spot kicks. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Nathan probably deserves a... A bit of a shout out. I know it's uh, it's Les Phillips and it's midweek, but yeah, I think we need to need to give Nathan a mention. And yeah, a terrific week for, for Warminster began on Tuesday evening. Absolutely, well done there, Tom. Yeah, for anybody who thinks we put this together before we actually start talking to each other, I think that's <laughs> that's well and truly that's well and truly exploded that myth. Um, yeah. We were going to start by talking about um, football on Saturday, the 30th of November, and of course, really the focus. Um, for many Western League sides, and of course many people involved in grassroots football, is the FA Vars. It was the third round, and uh, I know you're going to take us through it, Tom, but I mean, Bitten, they started off an all-Western League tie against Cribs. They did, and uh, yeah, they managed to managed to, to sneak through. Uh, a 2-1 victory for Bitten. Uh, Josh Egan, uh, he's their leading scorer of the season, he handed them a, a 15th-minute lead, uh, but uh, Cribs managed to, to hit back. George Kello. Uh, heading home from a, a, a Jacob Hodgson free kick uh, to make it 1-0. Uh, but then just prior to the, the hour mark, it was Bitten managed to score the uh, third and, and deciding goal uh, in the end. And it was Ryan Bath. Uh, I think he's a bit of a recent signing. Uh, he started well there and, uh, yeah, he managed to managed to slot home and, and that's how it stays. So it was Bitten who, who prevailed and, and uh, claimed a 2-1 win over Cribs. Now, the next uh, all-tool station Western League affair was between Bradford Town and Bridgewater Town, two towns, two 
sides at the top of the uh, of the of the Premier Division, and of course this one went right down to the wire, Tom. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to to say this game had pretty much everything. Uh, Bradford, the eventual victors, uh, four four goals to three, but yeah, extra time needed, and uh, yeah, plenty going on. It was a, it was a pretty tight affair uh, to begin with, uh, and it was 62 minutes before the, for the deadlock was broken, and that was Bradford, uh, Gary Higdon heading home, uh, and Matt Morris cross. Uh, but Bridgewater uh, managed to, to hit back and they weren't behind for long and it was uh, Jake Llewellyn uh, tucking home a penalty as he as he always does uh, Mr Reliable from uh, from 12 yards uh, and that then sent the game to, to extra time uh, but then less than three minutes into into the extra period it was Bradford who went ahead again uh, Sean Keep putting them putting them 2-1 up uh, and then yeah the game just came to life Harry Hilton volleying the, uh, the visitors level uh, before Tyson Pollard then uh, restored Bradford's advantage from the spot, all in the first 10 minutes of, of extra time. So, as I say, the game completely uh, yeah, shot shot into life. Uh, and it was Jack Whitcomb uh, then sent off just before half-time of extra time uh, for Bradford uh, to make their task a bit tougher, even though they were a few goals ahead. But then Pollard actually managed to, to give the 10 men an extra lead, uh, so putting them two goals to the good. Uh, Bridgewater, of course, uh, came back at them. Tom Ellis heading home in the 118th minute. Uh, but they were unable to, to force home another equaliser, uh, and it, and so it was Bradford and, and uh, who prevailed uh, a 4-3 win over Bridgewater, a very healthy crowd, and a, a fascinating contest between two of our top sides. Yeah, epic, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. 148 people at that game, not really doing it justice, really, and 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 a, and a fantastic example of why it's such a shame that so many Western League sides have been drawn against each other in this competition. Yeah, it would have been lovely to see both of those sides progress, but unfortunately, we've been denied that. Fortunately, Plymouth Parkway did draw opposition from another league. It was Hamworthy United, but Plymouth Parkway had to go away. Now, Plymouth Parkway, they don't need an invitation, do they? I mean, their form this season has been fantastic, as of course we all know, and um, they flew the flag for the Tool Station Western League in emphatic style down in Dorset. Absolutely. Uh, and one man in particular came to the fore uh, for the Devon side, and it was Jordan Cop. Uh, so he put the put the away side ahead uh, in the in the fifth minute uh, before Hamworthy did manage to, to get back on level level terms, uh, made it one all, and that's how it stayed until half time. So again, very much in the balance. Uh, but then Cop uh, took over in the in the second half, uh, curling home uh, a second. Uh, before then completing his hat-trick uh, from outside the box to make it 3-1 uh, and put, put Parkway in, in the driving seat. Uh, and then, yeah, just to add the finishing touches, final couple of minutes and Cop added another one. So, uh, yeah, his fourth and, uh, yeah, Plymouth's fourth. So a, a, a really impressive four-one win away at Hamworthy for, for the Parkway and they roll on to the next round. They certainly do. Congratulations to them. Very much deserved. One final tie in the Vars on Saturday. Tavistock against Buckland. A real peninsula derby, this one. And, um, well, it's the Renaissance men who took mm. the spoils. Yeah, and it was another game packed full of incident. Uh, plenty going on down there. Uh, Tavistock, uh, an early red card for them, for, for Tom Strike. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, then given a much tougher task to, to fight back. Buckland scoring twice in quick succession. Uh, Richard Groves uh, from the spot. And then Manny Skett also scoring uh, to make it 2-0. Uh, but then at the beginning of the second half, uh, Buckland uh, had a had a red card of their own. Dan Harrison uh, dismissed for a foul in the area uh, to give Tavistock uh, a chance to, to trim the deficit. But Jack Craigos had an absolutely fantastic season, our leading scorer in all competitions so far. Uh, he saw his spot kick saved by Ken Griffiths in the uh, in the Buckland net, 
so to, to, to maintain uh, Buckland's two-goal advantage. Uh, Lloyd Gardner then uh, joined Harrison uh, in, in, in suffering a red card, so Buckland down to nine. So just to, to keep count, that was nine v ten. Uh, and Tavistock made that extra man count. Jordan and Neer uh, pulling a goal back uh, during the final 10 minutes. Uh, and they did come close on a, on a, on a number of occasions uh, during those final couple of moments. But Tavistock unable to break down that buck from back line. And uh, it, was, it was Athletic who, uh, yeah, move on to the next round. A pretty memorable 2-1 uh, victory for, for Buckland away at Tavistock. Yes, Buckland there, uh, you know, an FA Vars side with some pedigree. But when you consider mm. Tavistock's heroics um, in the FA Cup this season and Buckland's troubles in the league this season, you know, that really yeah. is a very special result for Buckland Athletic. Now, we have one more game in the Vars, which we'll be talking about at the end of our uh, uh, roundup from the weekend because, um, well, you know, we like to save the best till last as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we will move into the Premier Division. And uh, the first game is between two basement boys, two sides that really did need a win. They came up against each other. Bridport and Cadbury Heath uh, were the two sides in question. And to the home team, the spoils. Yeah, they uh, probably, well, I think, yeah, we can all agree they were in need of this victory. Uh, haven't uh, tasted much success in recent time, Bridport. Uh, but now up to 18th uh, following this win. Uh, and it was two second-half goals for them, helping them to a 2-0 victory over Cadbury Heath. And it was Declan Cornish and Tom Richardson on, on the score sheet for them uh, in a 2-0 win for, for, for Bridport. Well, that was all the excuse I needed to get in touch with Jamie Manley, the, uh, the manager of Bridport. And I asked him whether that win over Cadbury Heath at the weekend left him delighted or relieved. game to be fair Cadbury Heath are a good side um, I spoke with uh, Andy Black their manager before the game we had a chat and, and really we, we discussed a bit about the Western League really how, it, how it's more of a bit of a two tier league really the top sides are uh, way ahead really from, from the ones at the bottom so um, like I said we, we, had a, we had a chat and then we got on with the game but it was it was, it was a close game um, but I think overall we edged it, especially in the second half. We, we were a lot better in the second half and, and created, created a fair few chances. We hit the crossbar twice um, and obviously scored two goals. So, um, yeah, it was it was pleasing. Pleasing to get the, the three points because obviously uh, we've been on a bit of a bad run. But, yeah, it, it's nice to, get, nice to get three points in the bag, really. Now, that was your first clean sheet since your last win, which was over high-flying Hallam, it has to be said, and that was on October the 19th. So, in, in some respects, from your position as manager, was the clean sheet as important as the three points? That, that is something that um, myself, Kev Lee, uh, who's my assistant, and Guy McCauley, who's, who's my coach, we, we've looked to address the defensive side, really. Um, I said, we shipped a fair few goals over a couple of games, which is well disappointing. But since then, we've addressed it. We've brought uh, a few players in. we brought Andy Holmes in, um, who's a centre-half. He's come with me from Chard. Um, Tom Salter is another lad who's came in at full-back. And we've also got Aston Butcher. We signed in from Portland. So, um, us three three defenders, we needed to bring in. And, and to be fair, when they're all available and when they've played, they've done really well. And, and you can see that we... We're, we are a lot tighter now than what we were. So, yeah, it's, it's something we've addressed. And like I said, it's always nice to get a clean sheet. So, yeah, all good, really. Now, obviously, in, in some respects, it's been a difficult October for you. And I think you've alluded to it just there. 
The, the elephant in the room for this interview is, of course, the results against Street and Bradford. And I'm, you know, I've been involved in Western League football for long enough to know that clubs can face a whole host of situations that contribute um, to difficult days at the office. So, from your perspective as the manager, I mean, looking back on those games, what was the situation that uh, that you inherited when you came in as manager, and how much do you think that that contributed to those to those difficult fixtures? We just come off a win against Holland going into the street game and, and we thought oh, we'll look at that and hopefully we'll, we'll kick on but for some apparently it just didn't, didn't work out that night and to be fair uh, street were clinical their finishing was, was top draw but we did we obviously gifted them some chances as well and you could say that about about Bradford as well They're, they've got some top strikers and everything they hit was going in the top corner so sometimes you just we, we just got beaten by two sides on the day that they were a lot better than us but it's not often you go into a football club where the team's flying high in the league. So I said I knew I knew uh, the situation at Bridport when I took the job. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I knew it was going to be work in progress. And like I just said earlier, with the players we have got now coming in, we're going to be a lot stronger, a lot harder to beat. And I can't see us shipping nine goals again this season, so, hopefully. <laughs> you came in at the end of September. Um, so obviously yeah. things hadn't started particularly well for the club this season. When you met the board, what was the brief that they gave you for this season? Basically, it's uh, to keep them in the Western League Premier Division. So uh, that's going to be the aim. Like I said, it's not going to be easy. Um, I think this is one of the strongest strongest Prem's been for a long time. So uh, especially with like the Devon clubs coming in, obviously Tavistock, Plymouth Parkway, they're, they're both strong and Exmouth as well, both all strong sides. So. Um, is is a strong league, but like I said, we're no different to the other sides who are going to be round the bottom and, and round about halfway. They'll be looking to pick up points against the likes of ourselves, but we are looking to pick points up against them. Like in Capri Heath on Saturday was a prime example, really. It was one of them games where we looked at and thought, yes, we could probably get something out of the game if we get our game plan right, and that's exactly what we did. So. Now, you, you mentioned this earlier in the interview that you know you and Andy Black had a chat about the strength of the Premier Division. It's something I've been reflecting on with managers in these interviews on the podcast. And it does feel that Western League football is, is, is currently undergoing something of a renaissance, that, that actually there's a lot of um, that the strength in depth in the league, whereas previously there might be sort of one or two standout sides. Actually, the, you know, the strength in depth is, um, is better than it's been for a while. Would, I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. The, the trouble we have at Bridport is probably our catchment area is not as good as uh, um, a lot of the places. Well, we've got to try and bring in lads from Weymouth, uh, Yeovil, Accidents to Child area. We've got to try and get lads in from there. Where obviously Bristol sides, they've got they've got the pick of uh, big catchment area. The, the team at the top, their budget's a lot bigger than what we are, what we can offer as well. So they can always attract the better players. So, but yeah, it's. It, but it's always a challenge, and it's one which is which is good really to go up against. So, and we look forward to it each game, each week, really. Well, we're going to be talking about the challenges coming up in the next few weeks, in a minute. But I mean, you, you next up, you've alluded to it already. It's Plymouth Parkway, and that's not going to be an easy game for you, is it? No, we got three tough games coming up. So, uh, no, it's like, we know Plymouth Parkway are a decent side, and no doubt about it, they'll be up there thereabouts at the end of the season. So. Um, but I, I, to be fair, I haven't been down to Plymouth, so uh, it'd be nice to go and have a look at their ground and, and see what they're all about. But like I said, after Saturday's result, it's something now. Hopefully we can kick on a little bit and um, like I said, we'll give it our best and hopefully get something out of it. 
Yeah, those next three games, of course, you've got the likes of Parkway, Exmouth and Bitten. When you're looking Probably at these... get nine points, I should imagine. <laughs> when you... <laughs> I, I mean, but on a serious note, Jamie, does the, do these games represent something of a free hit for you? Because, I mean, realistically speaking, the expectations of you getting anything out of these games has got to be pretty low. So the, the opportunity for your players to go out there and either cause an upset or actually express themselves and, and you know, enjoy the game, see what they can get out of it, it's got to be quite a compelling message, isn't it? Yeah, but, but we'll still set them up like we do week in, week out, and uh, try and put our game plan onto it. But like you said, yeah, it's um, yeah, tough games, tough run of fixtures for us. But um, like I just said, we'll, we'll be there and we'll, we'll, we'll give it our best shot on each game. But if we turn up and we perform like we have done, it's, uh, any side in the league, uh, a, a good game. So that's what we'll be looking to do, really. And my thanks to Jamie for his time. Now, moving on to another side down at the wrong end of the table that desperately needs a win, Chipping Sudbury Town. They were at home to high-flying Hallen. Surely the form book said this game can only go one way, but the scoreline would suggest a much closer encounter, Tom. Yeah, very much so. The inform Hallen um, having to come from behind in this one. Uh, but they have now won four league games on the bounce. It was a last gasp victory. Uh, they did go ahead, Sasha Tong uh, putting them in front pretty early on. Uh, but then there was goals either side of the half uh, from, from Chipping Sodbury, uh, giving them a, a 2-1, 2-1 lead uh, going into the final half hour. Uh, Kyle Thomas then slotted home a penalty uh, to get Hallam back on level terms. Uh, and then in injury time, so right at the death, uh, Hallam managed to, to, uh, to defeat uh, Chipping Sodbury with Isaac Reid scoring, scoring the winner. Uh, I think Chipping Sodbury were down to 10 at that stage, so... Uh, they're up against it and, uh, yeah, finally broken down. Uh, but Hallen roll on. Uh, as I say, a fourth fourth league of victory on the spin. And, uh, yeah, they are um, yeah, tearing it up at the moment. They are, aren't they? They're the Leicester City mm. of the Talk Station Western Absolutely. League. A point I made to their manager, of course, Ray Johnson, that would make him the Brendan Rodgers. Now, if I am the Gary Lineker <laughs> of the... Yeah, very much so. If yeah. I'm the Gary Lineker of the Western League and I've got to do the podcast in my underpants if Hallen win it, and uh-huh. then, um, then what does that mean you've got to do? Oh gosh, I don't know. Well, um, I think we've got to, we've got to put that we've got to put that out there for the listeners. Yeah, I think I'm, not sure I'm, on... I'm not sure I'm willing to to put my neck on the line quite that much. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> more than willing to put your neck on the line. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to put that. We're going to get that to our uh, our social media manager James Healy. He's going to get yep. that out there. What's uh, if Ian Knockholds has to do the podcast in his underpants? What does um, what does Tom Hiscott have to do? That's going to be. Um, that's our Twitter poll for next week. <laughs> anyway, I'm quite famous enough for Strictly quite yet. That would be that would be uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey, you've, you've gone you've gone Hollywood with that one, haven't you? <laughs> right, one last game we're going to review in the uh, in the Premier Division, and it was your side odd down again. Another team that's not necessarily been in the best of form against Kingsham Town, a side that's done very well in my opinion since coming up from the First Division. But it's found a Premier Division probably stronger than, well, certainly it's been since we've been doing the podcast. So a valuable win for either side in this game. It was a close affair, but um, the away team went home happy, didn't they, Tom? They did. They managed to, to snatch it. I think, yeah, I think we noted recently that Kenshin had been scoring a fair few, but yeah, conceding uh, plenty at the other end, which was sort of, uh, yeah, which was their, their undoing. But this one, a much tighter affair, uh, goalless for... Uh, for over an hour uh, before Kenshin managed to break the deadlock, Stephen Lee uh, putting them ahead, and uh, yeah, Odd Down, who are yeah, well, I keep saying they're in free fall, but um, yeah, they're they're just not picking up points at all. Uh, and another 
another another goalless uh, effort from them, and it was uh, Kainsham who took the spoils—a one-nil victory uh, for them uh, in Bath away at Down. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now moving on to the first division and our first game is a seven goal thriller. Uh, The home side were Almondsbury, the the visitors were Oldland Abertonians. Uh, not a great attendance on this one, Tom, but really that's a terrible shame because they'd have seen an absolute belter. Yeah, I mean this 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 game defined thriller. I mean one of the craziest games I can uh, yeah I can imagine uh, took place uh, in, in probably in, in the whole country on, on Saturday. They took a 13th minute lead, Oldland, uh, through Cash Vinnell, uh, but then at the end of the first half they just seemed to, to fall apart and it was Almondsbury the home side uh, took advantage. Uh, it was Stuart Alexander, Geraint Williams, and Matthew Davis. Uh, all finding the back of the net in a, in a five-minute spell, uh, putting them 3-1 up at, at the break. The Normansbury have been doing all right of late. Probably thought, yeah, they might have you know, um, been able to hold on to that. But um, with just 10 minutes left on the clock, uh, Oldland grabbed a, grabbed a lifeline. Uh, Vinnell scoring a second uh, from the spot uh, to make it 3-2. Uh, but then, then two minutes from time, uh, it was an Antonio Nurse cross, uh, which deflected in off uh, uh, one of the Armandsbury defenders. And that made it 3-0, so it looked like the, the points would be shared. Uh, but Oldland managed to, to push on again, and it was Nurse. Obviously played a big part in the equaliser. Uh, he then managed to, to uh, fire home the seventh uh, and final goal of the contest. He play, uh, played a 1-2 with Frank Taylor Fox, brilliant name. Uh, and, uh, yeah, managed to, to bury the bury his effort. And, um, yeah, a stoppage time winner, capping a thrilling contest. And a 4-3 win for, for Oldland away at Armandsbury. A stoppage time winner indeed. And, of course, it was a wonderful opportunity to meet for the first time Clayton Woodman, the manager of Oldland Abertonians. And I started our conversation by asking him for his thoughts on that dramatic win at the weekend. Game quality wasn't that good from the start of the match. Really, we controlled the game for the first 20 minutes, um, scored a lovely goal. And then, really, Almonds took hold of us. They took hold of us for about 20, 25 minutes to a half time. They didn't really penetrate us at all. And then obviously within a wild 10 minutes of the half, just before the end of the half, they scored three goals and we went in at halftime 3-1 down. So we were right on the back foot. Um, probably deserve it. they deserved it as well. They, um, they grinded us down, they played some nice football and from being in control, we, we really struggled at the end. Obviously going into the second half, there were some harsh words said at halftime. Um, just to see what heart the lads, the lads had. And to be honest, they responded very, very well. I think the second half was dominantly ours. Um, once we got the second goal, there didn't look like there was going to be anyone else but us going on and winning 4-3, to be honest. I felt a bit sorry for them because they actually played quite well. And I think a fair result would have probably been a draw. In the end, very happy, but it was a scrappy, scrappy game. Now, you're ninth in the table. That puts you in, in mid-table. D- does that tell the story of how your season has gone so far? Not really. Um, we've played some good sides. Like we played Wing Cannon at the start of the season where we were winning 2 1 with probably five minutes to go. Made mistakes there and got a draw. So there was points lost there. Um, drew with Hengrove in the week at home. Points probably lost there, I think. 
especially like we went up and played the leaders con up at their place and I think we were probably the better side that day probably deserved a little bit more than we had so I think we would like to thought we'd been a little bit higher than we are I mean what what do you put that down to then those narrow uh, you know the, those up those those dropped points I mean is is have you had challenges with sort of squad selection this season or is it, uh, is it... no not really I've got a massive squad it's probably the biggest squad Olden's had for a long time I've probably got about 23 in the squad I pass a lot of players down to the reserves most weeks um, I think in general we haven't had that luck in front of the goal at the minute I think we're missing an out and out goal scorer um, but then you look at our last two or three results we've had two four threes so we scored goals but we don't seem to be in games where it's very close at nil nil one nils we're not closing games out and we've played against a lot of sides this year that have probably not as played as well as us on the day but as soon as they get their chances in front of goal they just take them straight away and um, I think that's a harsh lesson for us in this league we're a new side very young side obviously I think if we could put the ball in the back of the net a bit more we'd probably be in the top five to be honest so when you came into the, the Oldland dugout at the beginning of this season, what were your expectations for what you wanted the team to achieve? Oh, to be honest, I would always want to achieve that well, we could be the best team in the league, but that's a bit optimistic, I think. At the end of the day, we're a new side and a very, very young side. We got, we've even got 17-year-olds in our side now. So I, I've managed to put a side together this year from local lads, trying to get a bit of a local feel back to the club. Um, and with a lot of young lads as well, trying to build a side for the future. And they've probably done a bit better than I thought they would do. Um, but I'm still hoping to be in the top six this year. I'm still going to be pushing. If I can get a result on Wednesday night, um, we got a game against Warminster on the 21st, um, going into a probably hardest game of the season against Longwell after, after Christmas. So if we can get a couple of points up to now and still be in the race, Come January, yeah, I fancy ourselves for a top six finish. We've talked a bit about the likes of Khan, and you've also played teams like um, Corsham and Sherborne and Wells. So, yeah. if you think about the matches you've played so far this season, which of the other teams in the first division have impressed you? To be honest, uh, we've been involved in every single game and not been overshadowed by anyone, bar Wells. They've, they've played us twice, beat us 4 1 twice. I think we were leading once in the first game, and but they, they look so strong. They look quite organised up front. They, their movement is very, very good. I'm surprised they're not higher than they are, to be honest. Because every side we've played against, we feel we could have beat. Uh, I don't really think we could have beat Wells the two times we played them. They were very good. And Sherborne as well. Not I would have said they were the best technically football side, but very, very strong and very organised. Now, you've not played at home since your defeat to Cheddar at the end of September. Has that been a cause of concern for you? Uh, not really. It, it, our pitch has never been the best down there. I think it needs a bit of work to be done on it. But you, you get your away games in. If, if we can grind results out away, then all of a sudden you've got a, a nice long run of games at home, which hopefully you can pile the points up. So it's not a worry. Get the, get the long fixtures out of the way. If we can do well in them, so be it. I'm quite happy to play at home later on in the season when the when the ground's a little bit harder with probably what I feel is a better footballing team which we've got. I think um, the heavy ground don't suit us that much, but the footballing ground does, so hopefully it benefits us. Now, you've got Portishead up next. Are you optimistic that that game's going to get on? Uh, the game will be on. The pitch is all right. We've already checked out already. Looking at the weather as well, there isn't any bad weather now until Friday. So, yeah, we're, we're on at the minute, I think. Um, I think it'll be a 
tough game. They come down and played us in the cup. We um, we tried some new players out in the cup that day and we lost. I feel we'll be going into it with a stronger side. I've got everyone available for the 23. So it'll be down to me to pick a side that hopefully can get us a three points out. Uh, now, one final question for you, Clayton. This is the first time yeah. we've spoken on the podcast, and I'm, I really appreciate you giving us the time. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your footballing journey to the Oldland dugout? Yeah, as in, as in, obviously management-wise, I went. I, obviously, I, I, I did play football when I was when I was younger for Oldland. I ended up. I, I done a bit of a. Um, ended up having a two-year pro contract at Norwich City. I ended up then dropping down through injuries. I ended up playing for Bath City for a bit. And then I ended up finding myself, I am. A, I was an Oldland lad anyway, so I ended up finding myself playing at Oldland. Captained them, captained them for two seasons, um, and then just went away. I, I've had, I had kids and sort of things sort of um, went different ways. I then got back into football with the kids and found myself at Bocco, which I was there for seven years. I had a lovely little journey. Didn't really want to do much in management first off, but climbed up just with the team doing well. Ended up in the first team down there. And then when the Oldland job came about, I thought, well, look, that's my, my own side. I want to get back there. So I grabbed the opportunity to come back as soon as I could, to be honest. And my thanks to Clayton for his time. Now, our next game uh, in the first division is between two high-flying sides, two fancied sides that we talk about regularly on the podcast, Cheddar and, uh, and Ashton and Backwell. Six goals in this game, but um, very little to separate the two sides at the final whistle. Yeah, at the final whistle, uh, stay, it was a uh, free all, uh, and Cheddar just unable to, to replicate Oldland's uh, dramatic uh, victory. Uh, but having fallen to a yeah three goal deficit themselves uh, to get a, to get a three all draw, I think they'll be pretty happy the achievement to come away with a point. Uh, and yeah, in what was a stunning start to the game, I mean Ashton completely uh, yeah um, smashed it coming out uh, coming out the start of the game. Miles Hardage curling. Curling them into a seventh-minute lead, uh, and then Callum Townsend, uh, a left-footed finish, doubling their advantage two minutes later uh, to give them a yeah two-nil two-nil advantage very early on. Uh, with Joe Bishop then uh, yeah making it three-nil not not long after uh, in just the 15th minute uh, he saw his original penalty saved but uh, managed to, to to score the rebound uh, and putting Ashton three goals to the good uh, in no time at all. So it was looking like a tough afternoon for for Cheddar, but they yeah all credit to them. Uh, they managed to to get back uh, back get back level before half time. So uh, a, a frantic first half. Rick Bennett uh, scoring twice uh, before uh, yeah it was George Booth then slid the ball home um, towards the end of the first half, making it real. And uh, yeah, after six goals in the first half, a goal in the second half. Did you know? Uh, but it was uh, so yeah the points shared uh, between Cheddar and Ashton. And our final game in the first division from the weekend was Sherbourne Town against Carn Town. Now, this was one of those matches that we called out on last week's podcast. Sherbourne Town, of course, have been doing ever so well. Carn Town are the league leaders. Mm. I honestly thought that we would see uh, an upset here. I did think Sherbourne would have enough, uh, particularly with them at home, to, to take on the league leaders. But that wasn't the case. Carn Town, Tom, proving to be quite a special outfit in this season's first division. I mean, Sherbourne, yeah, couldn't have come close to, to stealing victory in this one. Uh, they suffered a big blow at the end of the first half. Uh, Matt Brown given a straight red card, uh, but they did manage to, to regroup. And uh, Ashley Clark uh, put them ahead soon after the interval. So their own side, uh, one up and calm, uh, fighting, for, fighting for points. Uh, and then just as it looked like they might not might have come unstuck, uh, Stuart Windsor, obviously a, a pretty good, good, good goal scorer at first division level. Uh, he managed to head home an 88th-minute equaliser 
uh, and uh, yeah, the ten men uh, coming unstuck, unfortunately. And then in stoppage time, another stoppage time winner on Saturday afternoon. There's there's plenty of them going on. It was Zach Mitchell uh, scoring less than less than two minutes after uh, Windsor had uh, equalised, and uh, yeah, completed the dramatic turnaround, giving uh, giving the league leaders a two-one win. Seems like they don't know when they're beaten. Certainly not. The mark of true champions, it could be said. Mm, anyway, yeah. there's an awful lot of football left to be played Absolutely. in the first division. But, you know, hats off to Khan there. And the credit where it's deserved. Mm. Now, one final game for us to talk about in our roundup That was played on Sunday, the 1st of December. And as I said earlier in the podcast, we do like to save the best till last. It was an all-Western League fair between Premier Division, Roman Glass St George, and First Division, Warminster Town, in the FA Vars third round. Our last... Vars match and I thought for all of the heroics that Warminster have performed in this in this season's Vars competition that this would be a bridge too far for them not least forget the fact that they're taking on Premier Division opposition but also Roman Glass and George are a formidable outfit we've heard from managers recently on the podcast about how well they've recruited well the first division team they turned up again and uh, a memorable victory of course uh, for Warminster 140 saw this and uh, they march on to the next round, Tom. They do. A 2-1 win uh, for Warminster. Uh, coming from behind to do it as well. Doing it the hard way. Uh, George Box putting Roman Glass uh, ahead early. And as you say, they're a, a formidable side and they're a, a very much an informed side as well. Uh, climbing up the, the Premier Division uh, table at a rate of knots at the moment. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looked like they were probably uh, on track for a spot in the last 32. Uh, but Warminster had other ideas. Uh, Evan Mortimer Taylor uh, leveling, leveling for for the away side at the end of the first half, uh, and then late on uh, it was uh, uh, James Vincent striking the the winner uh, for Warminster and uh, put the Wiltshire side uh, in the next round. So uh, yeah, pretty well, a bit disappointing afternoon for Roman Glass, uh, but Warminster yeah continue to to uh, yeah to upset everybody. Now finishing on the Vars, Tom, the draw has happened. And um, which uh, what's the draw looking like for the remaining uh, Western League sides? So, unfortunately, it looks like we've got a couple more all Western League ties, which obviously, I mean, it, it's positive in a way, but it's also, yeah, you might want to see them split up at this stage in the competition. Uh, so, Warminster's uh, reward uh, for a victory away at Roman Glass, we just, we just mentioned, they're on their travels again. They take on uh, Bitten, who obviously will probably fancy their chances. Uh, Plymouth Parkway, uh, we don't know who they will officially be playing yet. It's either going to be uh, Woodbridge or Stanway Rovers. Uh, that will be an away tie uh, for Plymouth Parkway, but that's still to be decided who comes through uh, that original tie. And then we've also got two other Premier Division teams who will face off. Uh, we've got Buckland uh, hosting Bradford. So, uh, yeah, three Three, three ties we get to look forward to in the next round, which will be at the in January. So it's over a month's time. So, uh, but yeah, plenty of build-up I'm sure before before the big games. I have to say I'm very disappointed that mm. Um, mm. four Western League sides have been drawn against each other. I think it was bad enough in the last round, you know, that we had um, six teams drawn against each other. It's not something since you and I have been doing the podcast that I'm used to. I don't know whether there's a reason for it. For all I know. There's a good reason for it. I, 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 I can't think of one, to be honest with you, because, you know, Warminster to go up against Bitten. I mean, frankly, I thought Warminster were going to go out against Roman Glass. So actually, yeah. Bitten, you know, Bitten beware. But, mm. you know, the idea that Warminster could have drawn a, a, a big side from, you know, the Hellenic or the Wessex or the Peninsula League, you know, that would have been a great day out for that football club. Um, had they got them back to their place, I'd have backed them probably... A, 
pretty much against anybody, I have to say. Anyway, you know, that's the way that the cookie crumbles or that's the way that the balls come out of the hat, it would appear. Um, Plymouth Parkway clearly gets special treatment. They're allowed, <laughs> they're the wrecking ball in the loose. They're allowed to go and sort of remove whichever opposition they see fit. And I certainly hope that they do that in the next round. Um, but it is a shame that our Western League opposition, you know, our Western League clubs haven't been given the opportunity to progress on mass. But that's football, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it obviously does give us the uh, the certainty that we'll have two teams in the last 16, which is a which is a positive. But as you say, it's, a, it's disappointing that a couple will be, yeah, as we know, will definitely be knocked out. But yeah, all the best to to those sides. But yeah, still a long way to go until those games do do get underway. So uh, yeah, plenty to look forward to. Very much so. Now, we won't dwell too much on the midweek fixtures, Tom. Um, let's hope that the weather gods uh, are kind to our clubs. Um, I do notice that we have a little bit of Friday night football. It's Radstock Town against Bishop Sutton. Um, this is a sort of a northeast Somerset derby, if such a thing exists. Radstock, of course, have been going incredibly well this season. Traditionally, this would be the sort of banana skin that would upset them. I really hope that Brett Partner's men are... Um, are able to put in a better showing than that because they're they're really sort of punching their weight at the top of the table. That's no disrespect to Bishop Sutton. I know that they would desperately love a win. Um, so hopefully that there will be a big crowd at Southfield's Recreation Ground on Friday the 6th of December. It's a 7.30 kickoff um, to watch that game. But really the focus, as always, for our fixture preview is the, the Saturday game, Saturday the 7th of December. And which game in the Premier Division, Tom, has caught your eye? So it's a big one towards the top. Uh, I've gone for Exmouth versus Hallen. Uh, yeah, both in the both in the, uh, the upper reaches of the division. Hallen, as we as we mentioned earlier, four league wins on the spin. Uh, but yeah, travelling to Exmouth that'll be uh, an incredibly tough task for them to extend that winning run. So uh, yeah, fascinated to see how how that one goes on Saturday afternoon. There's a few tasty um, ties. Really are, yeah. Yeah, I mean you look at Plymouth Parkway against Bridport. I know obviously Bridport coming off the back of that win and you've got Roman Glass against Bitten which will be a which will be a good game Brislington are a good side they face Tavistock well I'm going to go for a Buckland the Renaissance men their form has been absolutely phenomenal isn't it in the last mm-hmm. couple of um, games and um, they're coming up against Bradford Town they will give Bradford I am absolutely sure a real test now frankly if Bradford can come through and take three points from Buckland then Plymouth Parkway got something to worry about that's um that's 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 my prediction. There you go. Uh, anyway, moving on to the first division, Tom. Which uh, which game has uh, caught your eye there? It's another home game for for Sherborne, uh, which they'll uh, yeah get a chance to rebound from the uh, the late late defeat to to Carn on Saturday. They take on Longwell Green Sports, so another top three clash. Mm. Um, yeah, Sherborne. I don't think we think any worse of them after after coming unstuck right at the end uh, with Ted Menning against Carn. Uh, they'll come again, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, they get, as I say, get another crack against a, a top side in Longwell Green, who themselves ten wins from their 14 league games. Um, yeah, another six nil victory, I think it was on Saturday afternoon. So uh, two teams doing really, really well, and it'll be yeah, great to see how how those two uh, do when they come together on Saturday. Uh, now, if we were going to do this at the beginning of the season, I think there are two. Uh, fixtures here that stand out um, Ashton and Backwell against Khan, Corsham Town against Cheddar um, obviously we've got the form guide to reflect on Ashton and Backwell against Khan. well I think 
Khan, having gone to Sherbourne, you know, you'd expect them to sort of follow that up with a good result at Ashton and Backwell. Ashton and Backwell, I'm sure, will have something to say about that. Corsham Town against Cheddar. Uh, I think that'll be a very good game. Um, we never really know. Corsham and my Jacqueline Hyde t- um, side, if they can get it together in the second half of the season, I still think that they'll be causing trouble to the top four. And Cheddar have every reason to believe that they'll be there come the, uh, the end of the season. So I think that'll be a very good game. So my game to watch in the first division is Corsham Town. Um, against Cheddar. Now, before we uh, before we move on, um, we've got the we did the goal scorers last week, Tom, and we are going to have a look at the league tables uh, this week. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, kick us off, who is hot in the Premier Division? So we've got Bradford uh, leading the way, uh, 37 points from their 14 games, just the one defeat so far. Uh, they they sit top, and then we've got Parkway close behind. Uh, they've played one less. Uh, pretty much identical record uh, they've also uh, faced just one defeat and now on 34 points so three points behind but with the game in hand as I mentioned uh, we've then got well we've mentioned them quite a few times the inform Howland they've prepped up and they're now third absolutely fantastic for them uh, they've played 15 they're on 29 points uh, and 29 points also uh, for Clevedon they've played 16 matches uh, we've then got Exmouth who've only played 11 uh, quite a few cup exertions for them so far this season uh, so, yeah, they've uh, played 11 now on 27 points, so they can certainly uh, creep up on a couple of those sides ahead. And then we've got Bridgewater and Brislington, uh, who've played 14 and 19, respectively, so quite a, quite a discrepancy there. Uh, those two are also on 27 points, so that's how the top seven stand in the, in the Premier Division at the moment. Chipping Sodbury uh, re- remain um, locked in at the bottom. Um, played 16, they've got seven points. Only three points above them are, Welling- are Wellington, who played 17 and got 10 points. Odd down on the same number of points, 10, um, played only 15 games. Then Bridport, of course, who we heard uh, from earlier in the podcast. Bridport in 18th position have played 18 and have um, 13 points. Uh, and one of the weird and wonderful things, the idiosyncrasies, if you like, of the uh, the Premier Division is that the team directly above Bridport are Roman Glass. I think Roman Glass are a very good side. Mm. They have got 14 points, but they've played six games less than Bridport, and I think that's that's going to be one of the crucial factors. They've only played 12 matches, so it'll be interesting to see when the fixtures have sort of sorted themselves out, where sides like Roman Glass have actually actually find themselves. Anyway, moving on to the first division, Tom, Khan Town, of course, all conquering Khan, remain mm-hmm. at the pinnacle of the first division. But uh, who are the other runners and riders? So, yeah, they do at the moment. Uh, Khan, they've played 15, they're on 32 points. Uh, we've then got the two two teams, uh, the next two are the ones that meet on Saturday. So we've got Longwell Green in second. Uh, they've played 14, so one less than Khan, and they're only a point behind, they're on 31. Uh, and then we've got Sherborne in third, they've also played 14, uh, they're on 27 points. So uh, those three are at the top at the moment. We've then got Wincanton in fourth, uh, they've played 13, and they're on 26 points. So, uh, yeah doing extremely well and then we've got Wells and Radstock are both on 25 points and they've played 14 and 13 respectively uh, and then we've then got a huge cluster of sides uh, from uh, Lebec up to Cheddar and Radstock in, in sixth and seventh uh, Lebec down in 11th but they're only a couple of points back they're on 21 uh, and Cheddar on, on 24 Radstock 25 and a couple of teams in the middle of that as well so it really is uh, tight and, and that's just the top half of the table so uh, yeah plenty going on in the in the first division absolutely Bristol Telephones uh, they're in 20th position they've played 16 they've got five points but um, 
you know, we are reliably informed that there's more to come from them. We've heard from on the from them on the podcast, and we know that there's um, fire in that particular belly. So it'd be interesting to see how much of a fist they can make of getting away from the bottom of the table. Bishop Sutton just above them. On balance, if you look at it for and against, they don't concede that many goals. Hengrove, of course, scoring goals has been their major problem. Only seven this season in the league, but um, I think we expect better things to come from them in the second half of the season. And then there's my very own um, Devizes Town in 17th. They've played um, 12 matches and they've got 10 points, so um, still work to do there. Right then. Now, one of the things that the Tool Station Western League has been doing over the last month is running a campaign promoting volunteers and volunteering in our league. Um, not just because it's a good idea and a nice thing to do, but because our clubs desperately need support. Now, Tom, you featured this in this week's bulletin. So do you want to give us a little synopsis about why this is so important? Yeah, absolutely. As you, as you say, I popped it in this week's bulletin. So hopefully uh, people will be able to, to find information if they need it. But yeah, basically... Yeah, it's all it's all about getting volunteers involved uh, in running and in helping develop football, and that's at every level, of course. So uh, yeah, specifically, uh, they're the backbone of, of grassroots football, as we know. Uh, yeah, time, dedication, and and commitment that um, that each of these clubs need uh, week week in week out, and uh, yeah, the, the leagues wouldn't exist without them. So uh, it's a it's an important thing. Uh, and football clubs and, and leagues is, is is not just about the players, as we all know. So uh, yeah. Uh, I know there's a number of, of, of uh, volunteer uh, options out there. Uh, there's a few clubs that have, have got in touch with, with the league and and uh, have their information and, and, and stuff uh, on the website. Uh, and that's also in the bulletin. Uh, and there's, yeah, a variety of roles, uh, anything from, from turnstile operators, PA announcers and, and people to to serve uh, refreshments and stuff like that. Uh, and ge- obviously general tidying up of the ground. Uh, that's one of the main things. So, yeah, if you need any more information, uh, I would say best places to look are on the Tool Station website where there's uh, information on how to get in touch with, with, with pl- people from the clubs that are after the, looking for, for volunteers. And it's also, as I say, in the bulletin this week. Uh, and we'll hope to keep, keep, keep updating that during the season. Now, one further notice that the uh, Tool Station Western League has asked me to pass on is the importance of clubs making sure that the insurance that they take out for the, um, in particular, player-to-player um, insurance is um, is uh, is absolutely adequate. Now, we've got a, a, a sort of statement from the Football Association which um, basically says that it's a mandatory requirement for all affiliated clubs in England to have public liability insurance and public accident insurance for all their players. We regularly review the insurance requirements to ensure that they meet the needs of the game. In 2012, the FA introduced the National Game Insurance Scheme to raise the standards of insurance and help facilitate a uniformity of basic cover across the game. It was designed in consultation with the county, FAs, leagues and clubs. The objective was to ensure that competitive and robust insurance products specifically tailored to the needs of any given area of football were made available. Why is this important? Because I know that sounded like a little bit of a party political broadcast, which we certainly don't want on the Western League podcast. But unfortunately, Osset Town have reached the uh, the headlines. Many people listening to this may have seen that. And they have been hit by a very nasty insurance claim related to a player to player incident. They're a side that plays in the Bet Victor Northern Premier League and um, one of their players broke an ankle and uh, was awarded just over £20,000, well, £19,000 in, uh, in damages. 
uh, and is uh, and and also a huge amount over 115,000 uh, in legal fees. So um, this was all about the uh, the insurance cover that the club didn't have. So please, if you are involved in club administration in the tool station in Western League, please check your player to player cover just to make sure that it's adequate, just in case um, and the worst should happen because I think that Osset find themselves in a very, very difficult situation because they didn't do that. So if we can help you take a look at that, then we certainly will. That's all from Tom and I on uh, this week's podcast. If We have been, of course, reviewing your um, excellent bulletin, Tom. Where can the listeners find that? That is on the uh, Tool Session website. Uh, there's a tab along the top uh, which takes you to the most uh, recent publishing uh, of, 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 the, of the bulletin. Uh, and it's also about halfway down the the homepage as well, so it should be uh, pretty pretty easy to find, hopefully. And that's uh, you can download that as a PDF or as a as a Word doc. Tom, thank you very much as always for your time. Pleasure this week. And uh, well, I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.